0: Broadcasting live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Mexico is our co host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby.
1: Good morning, Gary. The um spring is arriving here. How how about where you are?
0: Well, I'm in Utah right now and it's still brown. Uh with just a little <laughs> touch of green. But back home in Tennessee, the red buds are blooming and the Bradford mm-hmm. pears are blooming and things are coming up and And uh, looking colorful. So wherever you are in the country or around the world, we hope you have a beautiful spring day today. But um, hey, we have got a fantastic show today. Bobby Bell, tell us who's going to be joining us for the Campfire Cafe.
1: We have three guests standing by. Sisters. The Kawabi sisters are with us, Holda, Sophia, and Grace, and we can't wait to get to them.
0: (laughs) We're looking forward to talking with them. And then in the second hour of the show on Saddle Up America, we have Meredith Hodges that is going to be joining us. And we're going to be talking about everything that has to do with long years. And we may even talk a little bit about Jasper the Mule. So stay tuned for a great two hours of fantastic music and wonderful conversation today on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network's Campfire Cafe in Saddle of America. But right now, let's take a great listen to a song from the Quaby Sisters. It's one called Always Seem to Get Things Wrong. When we come back, we'll be talking with the three sisters today on the Campfire Cafe.
2: Oh,
1: the award-winning Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard, Always Seem to Get Things Wrong, performed by today's guests, the Quavy Sisters. With over 15 years of touring to date, the Quaby Sisters have delivered their authentic triple fiddle and three-part harmony sound to the concert halls and festivals of North America, Europe, and even Russia. Grace, Sophia, and Hulda Quaby. Front an innovative, progressive Western swing band of archtop guitar, upright bass, fiddles, and sibling harmony. This Dallas-based five-piece re- uh, presents a unique Americana blend of Western swing, jazz-influenced swing, country, Texas-style fiddling, and Western music. But it's not nostalgia that drives the band as purveyors of Western swing, but the aspiration to take the music back to its roots and sustain the spirit of swing. Over the years, I've had the pleasure of experiencing the Quavy Sisters at the Santa Clarita Cowboy Festival and, most recently, with Riders in the Sky, evenings of entertainment to long remember. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe the sisters of triple fiddle and harmony who play second fiddle to no one, Sophia, Grace, and Hulda, Waby, welcome! Hi, thank you. you. That was,
3: that <laughs> hey, girls. So, that was great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How are you girls doing?
3: We are They're doing great. great. Are
1: wonderful.
0: Cool, cool. So I was telling, I was telling you just a little bit before the show started that, in my Facebook memories, it had popped up today that that we had had her on the show 5 years ago just about this time what? last year yeah, it was amazing that's
4: so
3: crazy 5 yeah, years ago <laughs> yeah
0: yeah you know you it's guys,
3: the moment you mentioned it i was like i remember doing it <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh gosh well it was it was fun talking with you then and it's going to be great talking with the three of you guys today But uh, how's your weather out in Texas? You've just come out of a snowstorm and really nasty weather And we were talking about how things are in Utah and Tennessee and Albuquerque, New Mexico How's the weather out in Dallas today?
3: (laughs) Texas weather, you know, is one of those things that you just, you can't plan for it, so you don't (laughs) (laughs) You just don't know if it's going to be raining or or I mean, throughout this whole quarantine, I've been keeping pinpoints on my weather app of different places really? in the United States. Yeah, just because I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> and I like to keep up with the weather across the U.S. of places that we travel and, I, you know, I miss it. And it's just funny. Texas is like, some days I'll look at it and I'm like, wow, we have the same weather as Philadelphia today. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, in the Tennessee, time, it's
3: like we have the weather of the equator.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, in Tennessee, you just have to hold your breath because it can change so quickly. You know, it's 16 degrees, <laughs> the next day it's 70. So you yeah, just have true. to get used to that. Yeah, yeah. So before we get started, why don't each of you introduce yourself so that this radio audience might be able to identify who's talking? So you want to start with uh, who's the oldest, by the way?
3: Well, this is Grace speaking. I'm the oldest, and all right. um, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk with y'all.
0: We're glad to talk with you, too. So who's second oldest?
3: Uh, Sophia. I'm second oldest. I'm stuck in the middle, which is fine, but, um, <laughs> but yes, this is Sophia speaking. <laughs>
0: all right, all right, and I bet I know who that leaves.
3: Yes, it leaves me. Hold on. I'm the youngest, <laughs>
0: Uh, You're so deductive
3: reasoning right there
0: Yeah, that's pretty pretty smart (laughs) of me But uh, yeah, it was interesting, Grace The other day I saw something that was posted It said that the oldest child of which I am In my family of three brothers The oldest Mm. child is always the most intelligent and caring of the three So would you say that's right (laughs) or not? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, man. I'll post that any you, guys. I just have to convince <laughs> to see and holda
0: that I am the most
1: intelligent and caring.
3: But uh, sometimes I can I'll be forgetful. i give you that. So yeah. It's your birthday count. Yeah, up, you know you what? Have like, that. It's it's close to your birthday. <laughs> it's your birthday. <laughs> be birthday kind. for the most intelligent and caring.
0: <laughs> be kind. Be kind. Y'all are oh, being to That's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. So what's been going on with you guys during this COVID where all of the gigs have been canceled and nobody's been able to perform? So what have you been doing?
3: We have been practicing and playing music and delving into new skills that we really didn't have time to really investigate fully and spend as much time as we wanted to. So this year has been just one of musical growth and exploration not only individually but a lot as a group. And um you know, since we since we are home, it's afforded us the time to just have a really nice routine, which is never the the routine on the road is that there is no routine. <laughs> There's yeah. <is> no schedule. <laughs> you have drive days and different weeks and different times and all this and At home, you can have a schedule. It's it's been really fun, and it's been Mm
1: -hmm.
3: just a really good time of growth, but we are very excited to get out and play for people again when that's possible.
0: So when is the uh, – Grace, when is the first gig that you've got scheduled?
3: Well, we are playing this coming weekend, so no – not this coming weekend. It's next weekend, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, Texas. so we're playing in Tomball, Texas, and then we'll be playing in Llano, Texas um, next weekend on, on Friday and Saturday. And then after that, we have some more gigs that are like here in Texas and then um, actually Arkansas. So stuff closer, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. closer to home. And then in July, we'll be heading out on a longer tour, but, you know, that's a few months away still, or the end of July.
0: Right, right. Well, it's kind of exciting for you to be able to get back out and be in front of live audiences again, and it's exciting for people to experience live music again. So I know a lot Mm -hmm. of folks have done uh, Facebook Lives and Instagram Lives and, and different types of uh, social media that they've used, but it's going to be so nice to be able to get out and actually be in front of people again, so I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Yeah, and we I noticed, are. Yeah, and I noticed you guys are going to Knoxville, Tennessee a little bit later in the year, so maybe I can run up to Knoxville and get to see you. Then then I can talk about how great you are live and in person. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, you're even going to be in Maine. You're going to be in Maine. That's, gr- I mean, that's like the whole other side of the country um, in July. That's wonderful. Yeah. So,
3: I absolutely love going up to the east. I love going to any of the coasts, anytime, But during the mm-hmm. summer, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maine is where it's at. <laughs> I'm just talking about the lobster rolls as I talk. <laughs> I started to
0: say no <laughs> yeah, lobster, yeah. no shrimp, <laughs> no seafood at all. That would be awful. Have to experience that. But anyway, somebody's got to do it. Might as well be you, you know? Hey, let's take a listen to another song.
1: That's
0: right. (laughs) That is right. I think it's so kind of you to be the one to volunteer to do that, too.
1: But anyway, let's yeah. listen
0: on, to <laughs> <eat>
2: that stuff.
0: <laughs> Oh, it's <horrible. laughs> Let's listen to another great song from the Queby Sisters. It's one called Lonesome Road. It is from the self-titled CD, and we'll be back in just a moment to talk more with them today on the Campfire Cafe.
3: Look
2: down, look down that lonesome road before
5: Look up, look up And me, your maker When Gabriel
2: down, look down that lonesome road before you travel.
1: 2019 release the quaby sisters their fourth album and that featured um we heard a uh, grace on lead fiddle and lead vocal and welcome back to campfire cafe so um tell me a little bit about this album it's really really wonderful and it's a, a great collection um how did you choose the music let's start with that one how did you kind of choose the music for this cd this album Um, Fia, you want to take this one?
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
2: Um,
3: well, you know, we, we, um, we kind of looked at it like, sort of like a set list in some ways of some of our favorite songs that we had run across while we were looking for new material. I mean, some of, some of the way we just looked for songs was to simply, um, you know, just have listening sessions where we would just sit down and spend a few hours listening to music and. We all kind of keep a running list of songs that kind of strike any of us, and then we'll we'll take it to the band, you know if Holda hears a song or or if our bass player Daniel Parr hears a song or Simon our guitar player anyways so it was it was kind of like very much a group effort of people bringing songs, and then we wanted it to flow like I said, sort of like a mini show would you know where you <laughs> have you know more of a swing tune, you might have a slower song um like the summer of roses which willie nelson wrote and i heard that one i was just like okay we have to do this song so pretty (laughs) and then you know maybe some originals on there or there there are some originals not maybe (laughs) but um Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. kind of to have you know more of an up-tempo more of a three-part harmony maybe you know grace on that always seemed to get things wrong she was the the feature vocal on that one and um that song was actually written by Jesse Harris, who wrote, who's written songs for um, Nor Jones and other other great folks. And we got in touch with him through um, a musician that we know. And so it was just um, really just kind of a collection of things we thought would flow well and give people a bit of variety.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My and sisters are And It's, a, it's the in.
3: first album that we ever have done originals on. So, yeah. um in our past uh-huh. albums, you know, we've just done covers of other people, but that was a big goal for us for this,
6: mm-hmm. for the album
3: that we put out in 2019, um, to have, you know, originals, and it's something that we've been working on for the last couple of years, and so um, it was, that that process was really fun, because while we were on tour, and while we were, you know, always working together constantly, we were trying to, you know, coming up with song ideas, and Sophia is the, the, the main songwriter, I have to give first. Lots and lots of credit because <laughs> she had the the best ideas that were brought to the table and so and then Sophia wrote a couple uh, tune with Dan and then um, called Load at seven, leave at eight, which is hilarious. Grace named that one Sleepily One Morning. <laughs> we were loading the van and <laughs> Grace goes, "So wait, are, we're loading at seven and we're leaving at eight, right?" If We were all just like, <laughs> uh, "No." <laughs> And then we all started laughing. We were like, "That should be the name of the song." Because I feel like <laughs> it's a tradition in Western and just in you know instrumental music in general to just name instrumental songs random things. So yeah, and it's random for ya. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so random. you. touring you can tell because <laughs> all kinds of road-related names show up on their records.
7: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, well, well, you're just of, speaking
0: talking. Tor- you, now go ahead.
1: Never mind. No,
0: no, no, no was, Go ahead. I was I was just going to say you were talking about Summer of Roses and that's the next song that we've got queued up to play. And uh that one you said was written by Willie Nelson, it's a great song and it's a it's a very pretty pretty song. And let's take a listen it's to a that and come point. back and talk more with Grace and Sophia and Hilda today on the Campfire Cafe. A
1: short time I had To be with you, my
2: love, but a short time is better than no time. No
0: And um, so I want to ask, did you girls start out as instrumentalists and then start singing? And Grace, answer that question for us.
3: Well, we did. We started out playing fiddle, and then we were we were competing in Texas style foot contest. And um, that's how we got going playing fiddle. <clears throat> and then if you, well, it wasn't that long, maybe a year or so after, because we were taking fiddle lessons and we would we were homeschooled, so we all would go and take lessons together, and we were learning the same songs, and so it was just kind of a natural pre- progression to branch into playing in harmony, playing together, and and uh, what better place to start than with a Bob Wills tune, so yeah. we learned Faded Love, we learned San Antonio Rose, and after a while we just kind of built up a little set of songs that we played together as you know, in harmony and they were all Western Swing, mostly Bob Wills or Spade Cooley tunes and and we also loved the Sons of the Pioneers as well. So we started singing Western Swing, Western songs and um that's how we started singing was really from playing in harmony and then it was just like, Well, we're already doing this in harmony. What if we sang too? So that just was a natural progression.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad it was a natural progression because <laughs> we just listened to a great, exactly. great song. So, Holda, did. Uh, did you did you guys grow up singing together before you started performing together, or did you wait until no. you started performing?
3: <laughs> we didn't sing together like in the sense of we You know, we would sit around and. We did sing. We did sing around the house. You know, we'd sing at church, and our mom, you know, has a good voice, and she likes to sing and stuff. So, of course, just like anybody else, you sing around the house. But as far as, like, coming up with arrangements and actually working on it and doing it, no. We we waited. Actually, it was funny. We met Ricky Skaggs, and he heard us play and kind of took us under his wing, and he invited us out to play the Grand Ole Opry for the first time. I was 13 at the time. It was the most amazing experience. Yeah. It was awesome. And one of his, but then after, you know, he got to know us a little bit, he, he just said, now you girls need to open your mouths and sing. <laughs> 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 I know, sometimes I like gags, tells you, that you, like, something you know, to you. Yeah. You think about yeah. it. And yeah. we
1: did. And
3: we, we, we didn't sing for anyone Uh, grown, you know, for a whole year, literally. I think there were only two people that heard us sing and we practiced and, that's what we did. We practiced a lot, and then our first gig was that we sang on was January two thousand oh, and five. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, we had a big show out in Elko, Nevada. Oh, it was it was big deal. Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. And it was a big it was a festival and everything, and so we got up there and sang, and it was well received. And so we thought, well, they didn't boo us off stage. I guess we'll do it again. <laughs>
0: and um,
3: yeah, that's how things got started.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. Well, I want to ask Sophia, because you're the songwriter, with this downtime that you've had with uh, with the pandemic going on, are you writing some new songs, and are you perhaps working on a new album for 2021?
3: Ooh, yes. Um, So to answer your first question, there's always, you know, pieces of, Songs in the works, you know, where I might right. have the lyrics to something, but I need better chord changes or I need a melody, or you know <clears throat> or maybe you think of a melody, and you're like, if I can take some of my lyrics or this or that, and um you know piece it together, I'm not a super experienced songwriter, but it seems that they come together in all sorts of different ways, you know,
7: right, right, um
3: but as far as the new album is concerned that's always on the back of our brains you know you know we're always thinking okay what can be what can we be working towards next and i think right now like grace was saying earlier in the conversation we've just had the the opportunity to just dive into certain areas of our musical exploration of things we want to work on that will all facilitate towards another album. As to when that new album, as to when we'll go in the studio, you know, we haven't set a definite time. I mean, it would be it would be exciting to record sooner rather than later. But we'll just have to feel that out. But yes, we're always we're always thinking of, oh, that song would be cool to do in the next album or what if we did an album with this sort of theme or this or that and it just is you know, it's kind of always on the back of the brain.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will tell you this: 2019 was the last album. So, personally, I think it's about time for you to come out with a new one, so we could have you back again. <laughs> well, but, hey,
3: well, we, we need agree, that, honestly, uh, motivation. That motivation, yeah. last pressure.
0: <laughs> 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 That's good. That's well,
3: good.
5: <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's get to another song. This is one called "The Waltz You Saved for Me." Uh, you want to tell us something about this song?
3: Yeah, great. Oh, oh great. I want to talk it. about this one. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. okay. Go for so it. So I have always really liked this song a lot. of You know, it's it's, it's I like a good waltz. I love that Willie that Willie Nelson song that says sad songs and waltzes aren't selling anymore. And I'm like, I refuse. Yeah. I agree with you really, but I also am fighting back on <laughs> that. And so I've always thought Walt, you say for me, just had a really singable melody. And so we got Grace to, Grace has a beautiful performance on this as well. And then I took a fiddle solo on it and, um, and then, uh, Simon, you know, plays it, plays a ride on it. But that's one of those classic, just traditional songs that a lot of people have recorded. But we thought, you know what? <laughs> We're going to record it too, and people seem to like it. So here it
0: is. <laughs> and an they are going to like it. Go ahead.
3: I have an interesting tip on this song. We um, we grew up listening to, it, and we still do love Ray Price and the Cherokee Cowboys. And one of the fiddlers that played on some of his most iconic records was his name was Tommy Jackson, and he was a you know, a staple around the Nashville music scene back in the day. Right. And he came up with a really iconic, you know, kind of more single note style of um, country fiddling. And we love his playing. And um, But one thing he would do in the studio is that in order to have open tuning or open strings, um, kind of the sound of open strings sometimes for certain country tunes it just has a certain timbre to it that's that sounds right, right for the song, he would tune his fiddle in different ways um, according to the key that the singer needed to be in instead of playing in, you know, closed keys. I'm getting way too nerdy here on the air. But anyways, (laughs) Hola decided to borrow from that concept and she tuned her fiddle uh, differently for this solo, and I think it has a really cool timbre. Anyway, y'all will hear that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. All right. Well, you
0: guys are going to love this. This is the Walsh you saved for me. We're going to come back and talk more with the Quibi Sisters in just a moment today on the Campfire Cafe.
3: Ever
2: in dreams with you
1: Baby Sisters once again with the waltz you saved for me. And uh, that was really fun to hear in this piece, like you were just talking about. Um, Holda is the only one, I believe, playing fiddle in this and providing harmony vocal, Sophia on harmony vocal, and then Grace on lead. And would you please tell us about the two gentlemen that complete the five-piece band? (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay,
3: so Simon <laughs> Skip is playing guitars, mostly arts top guitar, but he played several guitars, different types of guitars on um, this record. And um, yes, he's, I can hear him in the other room playing scales <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to be Simon happens to be Sophia's husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's why you hear him in the other room. Yes, exactly. Yes.
0: Well, Grace, you want to tell us about the other member of the band?
3: I would love to. And uh, incidentally, I can hear him in the other room, and he's playing around. He's. I can't hear what tune he's doing, but he's playing something. Oh, but I'm married to Daniel Parr, and he is our bass player, and... Um, I think one fun thing about this record is he had, yeah, he had two basses on that recording. Um, So, well, well, I don't know about that, not that track, I mean that album. Um, And one, so he played mainly gut strings on one bass, and then he brought in another bass with, um, you know, the more modern steel strings um, for, I believe it was the intro. Do you remember which one, y'all?
7: I can't oh, remember wow. off the top
3: of my head. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember if of I thought I and tone trying, stream-changing that happened throughout all of well, time. Uh, wow. Know. So <laughs> I, have
0: yeah, mm-hmm. I have a question for you. We just
3: experimented. I have a
0: question for both of you, uh, Sophia and Grace, and that mm-hmm. is – Were these guys members of the band and then the romance started, or was the romance there and then they became members of the band? Which way was it?
1: Well,
3: for me, this is Sophia speaking, Um, Simon. um, Simon and I were best friends and just hung out and playing music together and stuff because he grew up in the Texas-style little world, that we did and playing guitar and stuff. So our family knew his family and, um, yeah, anyways, um, he became a graphic designer and designed apps and that sort of thing uh, for a living, but he always played guitar on the side and we, we, you know, got to know each other, started dating, that sort of thing. And then I was like, then then all of us were like, what if he joined the band? We're like, Do you want to quit your stable, well paying job <laughs> and become a road He went for it. <laughs> so, you know, I uh, loved him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then we got married a few years later and um we've been happily touring ever since.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Great. Grace, what about yeah. you?
3: And then we met because Dan joined our band right at the same time Simon did, and um we were friends for quite a while. um We always liked each other and then a few years <laughs> after of playing in the band, and you know, we just had so many interests, and the time was right to start dating, and we did, and now we're married, and we couldn't be happier.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. All right, so, Grace, how long have you been married now?
3: Not very long. Very long. We got <laughs> married last year.
8: And, okay.
3: Uh, you know, it was nice to have to not have to go on the road right after you get married. Uh-huh. That <laughs> yeah. was nice. Yeah.
0: That would be nice. Sophia, what about you?
3: I've been happily married for four years now, so I'm very grateful for that.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. And, hold on, we haven't talked about, are you married or single?
3: Oh, I'm married. I've been married a long time.
0: <laughs> um, uh.
3: I've been married the longest. Yeah, it's funny. So I'm married. actually The funny story is that you talking about Simon, and so I'm married <laughs> to Simon's brother. Yeah, oh, wow. Like, They're like, should we tell what? people? <laughs> what parallel universe are these sisters come out of. but, yeah, no, I, so we've known, Sophia and I have known our husband since we were all kids, you know, when we all grew up together in the, like she said, the fiddle world, and so oh, I and deep. I dated, we were high, we were basically kind of like high school sweethearts, and then we've, we've been together for, well, forever, it seems like, we've been yeah uh, that's eight years for me,
0: Wow, which is wow. wild. Wow. Wow. Well, congratulations <laughs> yeah. to all three of you. Oh. And that kind of leads us into this next song. And it's one called My Life, My Love, My Friends. And, uh Haldi, you want to tell us anything about this one?
3: Yeah, so the, the the tune, sorry, I I don't mean to correct you, but it's um, My Love, My Life, My Friend. I'm and sorry. Sophia no. wrote, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, I've done the same thing myself, where I've gotten it all mixed up. Sophia wrote this song, and originally, you know, it started out as just this little kind of almost Merle Haggerty, Jimmy Rogers kind of feel, real just simple kind of country tune. And then... She got, you know, we were all kind of giving her input or different things like that, and um, so she started tweaking on it. And then, you know, uh, Grace, no, Grace didn't help her with the lyrics. Sophia, you you wrote all the lyrics for that one. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> then, as I remember, one day I was literally taking a shower, and I thought, uh, we need to turn that song into a shuffle. So I came back <laughs> to band <laughs> practice, and I was like, everyone, we need to turn my love, for my life, my friend into a shuffle. And we did, and that's kind of where what it turned into, but I think one of my favorite things about the song is that a lot of country shuffles you know are they're like you know Johnny paycheck, where it's you know I'm barely hanging on to me, and you know I'm, the the just everything is depressing and sad, and you know she left me, and it's terrible, and all of that, and then <laughs> Sophia writes this song, and I'm like. It's a happy sh- it's, a, it's, a, it's a love song Okay, we need to change the trajectory of these shuffles So that's what I really like about uh, it that, that has that different twist to it? Is That it's still it's, it's still a country shuffle But it's, it's a happy one, folks It's a happy one All
0: right. This is a happy <laughs> shuffle And it's called My Love, My Life, My Friends We'll be back and talk more with the Quibi Sisters In just a moment
1: the Quaby sisters we're having such a great time chatting with the three of you today I have a quick question kind of about your fiddles Um are these the same fiddles that you've been playing um, your whole career do you do you uh, do you have different fiddles that you play is or is this it <laughs> that's such a great question
3: <laughs> well we have played different instruments through the years and um, we really want to have instruments that complement each other. Um, well, I'm specifically thinking of fiddles, but, but in the whole co- band context as well. Um, but just speaking of fiddles, we want to have instruments that have a nice um, balance of volumes with each other. So um, we've, uh, we've played several different instruments <clears throat> in, you know, individually. Um, through the years, and uh, right now, um, Sophia's playing an instrument. She could tell you about that one that she got a few years ago, and then Holda and I got instruments, actually, I got mine maybe a year or so before the, the recording. It was less than um, a year. And then oh, you I'm got sorry, yours right. Go really closely mm-hmm. um, before that record, Holda, and Holda's and mine are by the... Maker,
1: um,
3: he's a a violin maker um, at uh, Robertson and Sons Violins out in Albuquerque. I'm sure, you're familiar oh. with that. Oh my goodness! And they just have such a, a wonderful store. And uh, so yeah, Christian Peterson made our our violins, and we fiddle around on them <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. So we we generally <clears throat> find that we like playing on the same type of strings with the same brand and um, yeah we've experimented with a lot of stuff but Sophia has to tell you about her instrument she has a much older instrument than we do ours are new my, my fiddle was made in um, France in 1903 so oh. She's an antique and I nicknamed her wormhole because
7: wow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, because twofold, there were some tiny little, like, like weevil holes or something in, not in any uh-huh. important structural areas, but, um, but cosmetically speaking on the instrument, you know, maybe it had been stored somewhere and a bug got into it, but it, it mm-hmm. hurt it really, but it, I think it looks cool. So I had them filled with clear, you know, glue so that I could still see them. And also, I'm super into science and space and stuff like that. And so anything that has to do with physics and wormholes and that is fascinating. So it's a
1: double (laughs) meaning for me. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, That's really interesting. When you travel, um, do you have sort of backups in case something happens? Or do you just, um, you know, you we just trust actually. that these? Do, do you? Yeah. We were
3: on. <laughs> yeah, we usually just Washington. Washington. extra. Yeah, we do because. Well, my I used to carry a fiddle that I've had. Well, that was made. I was going to say that I've had since the eighteen early. I was like, I haven't been around since the eighteen
6: nineties. I've had it since the eighteen hundred. <laughs>
3: I love that song and I play it as much as I can. But we were on this island. We were actually, we had, I think it was like some like five days off or something in between gigs. And so we were like, we, we need to find like a cheap Airbnb. We were in the middle of arranging the album. We were trying to write some songs and finish things up. So we got this Airbnb little house on this island. Uh, was it, y'all, was it Washington Island? What state was that? So. Was that Wisconsin? It was on one of the Great Lakes. Anyways, long story short. My fiddle just it literally just blew up. It was like all of the glue came undone oh. and I was like, Okay, that's oh it. My. This fiddle is too old. It's totally fine now. It got all repaired and uh, we have an amazing luthier that lives right very near us. humid. So lucky. And it just it was very humid and weird and so that was, oh, I was like, mm, humid. We need to get yeah, well, I need to get something that will can withstand the road a little better and I'm not, <laughs> you know, messing with it. And, you know, one thing about the album that, you know, to tie in what Grace was talking about, how we like to have instruments that are complementary, is one thing that we did when we recorded the self-titled album in 2019 um, was that we did everything live in the studio. We really wanted things to feel cohesive like it does whenever we wanted to record like the way that we practice, which is stand oh, in a circle great. and face each other.
0: That's yeah. great. And mm-hmm.
3: so we just like to make things hard on ourselves. And so we wanted to do it live. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we're, we're really inspired by the Mills brothers. And, you know, you see, you, you listen to recordings and, and see them and, you know, we're not to their level yet, but we're aspiring to that. And, you know, that's something they had, you know, the story goes that they they were called one take mills. Like they were, they could just walk in the studio and lay it down because they were so comfortable with each other. And so that's what we were working towards. And that's, and I think, you know, probably the next album that we do, we'll try to do something similar to that as well. We have the studio that we worked at in Austin, Texas is just fantastic. And we wanted specific gear you know, like we can nerd out. I'm not the best with talking about gear, Grace. You're better at that than I am. But we had really cool mics. We had. Did we have plate reverb, y'all? What what all, y'all y'all? Oh, tell we, us had we had plate reverb. That was part of it, yeah. So us having mm-hmm. instruments that were that sound really good together, that that blend well acoustically in one room was really important. And so mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's why we yeah, spent great. so much time Thank on that. you. Really interesting. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Wow, (laughs) wow. Well, I'm going to tell you, you girls have been absolutely a ball to have on the show today.
7: Thank
0: you. Yeah. And so (laughs) get this new album out and come back and be with us again. Would you do that?
1: We'll
0: do it. All right. We would love (laughs)
3: to.
0: Yeah. All right. Tell us where. Well, it has been our pleasure. But tell us where we can find your music and we can follow your tour schedule. So, Holly, you want to take yes. it?
3: Sure, yeah. Our, it's our website. So if, if the radio listeners are wondering how to spell Quaby, you're not wrong in, in wondering how to spell that. Technically, it's <laughs> spelled like Quebec, but with no C on the end. So Q-U-E-B-E. And her butt pronounced Quaby. I know it's, it's lovely. It's French, but we say it with a Texas accent and then no one understands it.
7: <laughs> our
3: website is dot And our tour schedule is on there as well as our social media, of course, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we we post and we we have a monthly newsletter and all that jazz. So if folks want to keep up with us, follow us on social media or look on our website. And we're going to be playing some Texas shows and a show in Arkansas coming up here in April. Everything, of course, you know, socially distanced and making sure everything is safe for you know the the listeners to come out. And then we're going to be um, going doing some touring, you know, this summer and slowly starting to get out as as venues and stuff are able to make things. You know, and as things go well and hopefully stuff opens up more, we're just going to keep getting out there and getting back to work. So who knows if we'll show up in your state.
0: Well, I hope so. So check out our website. I hope so. So we have had so much fun with you guys. We've been talking with Grace, Sophia, and Holda, Quaby, and they have been a ton of fun. And come back and see us, would you?
3: We will. We would love to. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're so very welcome. We're going to remind all of our listeners that after the show is over with, you can listen to this show in an archive podcast on our website or Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes. So you can go back and listen to all of this. But right now we're going to close out this portion of the show with bluegrass in the backwoods. It is a great instrumental that the girls have done. And, uh, And again, girls, thanks so much for being with us today.
3: Thank we you so appreciate much.
0: it. Thank y'all. All right. Thank see you. ya. bye The Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we'll be talking with the one and only Meredith Hodges about long ears. Stay tuned for Saddle Up America. Mule Train. Mule Train.
9: Ah! Ah! Liberty ah! 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 Clopping over hill and plain. Seems as how they never. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop, clippity-clippity-clippity-clippity-clippity-clippity-cloppin' along. There's a plug, a charter, a for a rancher in Corona, a gift jar for a cowboy way out in Arizona, a dress of calico for a pretty Navajo and get along. on the mountain chain Seems they never reach the top clippity clap, clippity 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 clippity, along There's some cotton thread and needle for the folks away out yonder A shovel for a miner who left his home to wander Some climb and climb it pills for the settlers in the hill. Get along Through the wind and rain, they'll keep going till they drop clippity clop, clippity clop, clippity, 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 cloppin' along. There's a strawberry for the ranger and for Woody, there's a fiddle, an accordion for Joey playing both ends and the middle. There's a mushy note for Slim. I guess Roberta's writing him. Get Where he's going. Get up there! (laughs) Third from the back, Senator. I got my new pal. Get up there! Get up there! Mule train! Buy the gas at four bucks. I get on the mule train! Well, that's Riders
0: in the Sky. The song is Mule Train. And welcome back to Settle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. I'm your host, Gary Holt, joining me in Albuquerque, our co host, Ms. Bobby Bell. And several years ago, I became aware of our next guest on her long running television show on RFD TV. And she is an expert about everything pertaining to long ears. And welcome to the show, Ms. Meredith Hodges hi gary how are you doing
6: i'm doing just fine i've been uh obsessed with mules for a whole lot of years and that was a perfect song Riders in the sky are great guys and uh i've even been working with them on a lot of our children's series jasper the mule and really? they've done yeah they've done the music and the score for our dvds for the children's series
0: how cool We just well, had Ranger Doug and Too Slim on the show last week
6: Oh, did you? So yeah, we we're working did. with them right now Because uh, we just finished building a carousel With the Jasper car- uh, characters here on the ranch And so we decided to do a documentary uh, About the whole creating the Jasper carousel So uh, Joey and the guys are working on the score for that one now And they wrote a new Jasper song for us
1: Oh how fun! How I, about uh, that? Meredith,
6: this is this is a co-host, Bobby Jean, and
1: you know I've I've listened to that um, them Riders in the Sky sing Mule Trading many 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 times, but today for the first time, I heard them say Jasper, and. You know, I didn't know about Jasper's till I was preparing for today, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I'm hearing two is yelling
2: out Jasper's name." Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
6: <laughs> yeah, we've had a long-standing relationship since, oh gosh, way back in 2001 or so, maybe 2000.
0: Oh uh, gosh, that's cool. Oh yeah. Well, listen, for our worldwide audience who may not be aware of you and and all the things that you've done with, with our long years, tell us a little bit about the background, where you came from and how you got started with mules, because I know it, you started with Arabians, but how did you get involved with the mules?
6: Well, uh, I started riding horses when I was two years old but um, and then, in back in nineteen sixty seven the American Donkey and Mule Society was formed uh in answer to the mules declining in America because the tractors were coming out and taking their places and yeah. so, in nineteen seventy two I started working at my mother 's Windy Valley Ranch in Healdsburg, California. And I became a a representative and animal inspector and judge for the American Donkey and Mule Society. And while I was working at the ranch, I started out uh, working with the, the foals and just halter breaking and everything, but then my mom gave me a five-year-old to work with to get used to mules, because I was of the mind that everybody else was, that they were stubborn and really hard to work with, and they'd get you if you did anything wrong, and (laughs) I was kind of afraid of them in the beginning, actually, but after I rode this mule for about a month as five-year-old, I went, oh my God, this animal is so smart, and I thought, you know, mules have been previously used for packing and driving and farm work and and other such things, um, but they haven't really gotten into the various activities that people use horses for. And right. I thought, you know what, I bet you anything that they could do anything that a horse can do, and they'll probably do it better because you, when you're breeding mules, I mean, they used to be bred from cold mares, the mares they didn't use for horse breeding. But right. these days, we have actually pulled out the best mares and bred them with the best donkey jacks. And so what we have are mules uh that are top quality, take the best attributes from both the mare and the jack. They get their their looks and their ability, their athletic ability from the mare, and they get their strength and um and endurance and everything from the donkey and their intelligence of course. So they learn things quickly, and when they do, they're they're better than the horse they came out of every time without a wow. doubt and well. this made this made it really challenging because they were smarter than me. <laughs> so, when I was training them, you know, most uh, horses succumb to uh you know uh, a kind of a masterful kind of training, but uh mules take exception to that. They want to negotiate with you. And they so if you're doing something that they really don't like, they will uh humble you in a second. And <laughs> And this, this brought uh, along uh, what I learned from my grandmother years ago. I mean, when I was having trouble with the mules, it made me think about what my grandmother told me. Years and years ago, she said, Meredith, you are going to be a sorry old woman if you do not <laughs> learn how to walk in good posture and use good manners.
7: Oh, and geez. lo
6: and behold, I thought, well, okay. Maybe this will work with the mules. And then I thought, too that when we train our athletes for football, basketball, baseball, or any of the things that they're doing, we don't just put them in the game to get strong and repeat it and learn it that way. They have to do exercises to prepare for the game so that they exercise all the muscles in their body so if they get out there and do a wrong move, they're not going to hurt themselves. And so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to establish a program like this for the mules and I'm going to use good manners and I'm going to put them in good posture and I'm going to strengthen them from the inside out starting with all the elements that support the skeletal frame and put them in balance and develop those core elements symmetrically around the skeleton so that when I do ask them to do what I want them to do it won't hurt and they'll be able to do it and I will never ask them to do anything that they can't that they can't do at any given stage because my training follows a logical and sequential order beginning with leading training and first it's on the flat ground and I go ahead and and one of the things they need to know about is how body self carriage And we don't realize it, but when we grab these equines by their lead rope and start walking off with them, our hand moves back and forth. So what happens is that you're pulling on that lead rope, however subtle it is, and it's pulling them off balance with every single step that you take. And so I looked at that, and I thought, well, I've got to fix this. And so when I lead my animals, I take the rope and put it in my left hand and leave a loop across my stomach so it's loose. And I have their head at my shoulder. I point in the direction of travel with my right hand. And then I ask them to uh, walk on. I say their name, and then say, walk on, because you have to acknowledge who they are, too. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just polite, right? And so, <laughs> so you go, B, <laughs> uh, walk on, and you look down to see what foot they're leading with, and you match it, and you match their steps Right, left, right, left, however they're leading. You just match okay. it with your steps. And you make sure that you're walking straight lines and gra- gradual arcs, no abrupt turns or surprise. You know, they don't like that. They like to right. know what's coming. And and then when you want to stop, you go, and whoa, you give them the heads up, and I'm going to do something different. Whoa. Right. And then you stop with your feet together. Then you turn to their shoulder, and you ask them to square up their feet with equal weight over all four feet underneath their body, back feet together, front feet together. And then what I do is I carry oats in a fanny pack around my waist. Okay. And the oats are the same thing that they get fed. I, I don't believe that varying the diet is all that good, and it often uh, causes colic and founder and abscesses. Right. and skin irritations and all of that. So rather than using carrots, apples, or any of those kinds of things, horse treats, which, by the way, they will get tired of after they've had a few of them. uh, They don't get tired of the oats, and the oats are actually healthy for them. So you give them a handful of oats, and then you just stand there, and you wait until they finish chewing. You do them Hmm. the courtesy of waiting. That way they don't get anxious about what is her next move going to be? What's she going to do next? Right. They know that you're going to wait and give them a heads up. And then when they're finished chewing, I just turn around, get in my position, say their name, walk on, and we go on. And you know that you're done with that part of the training. And I usually do it in an hourglass pattern, too, because it's also important that they move through arcs in in different directions so that you're balancing both sides of the body symmetrically. Okay. So even though we're walking, you know, every time we stop and square up, it's settling those muscles symmetrically around the bones and all that soft tissue, and all those ligaments, and all those tendons. It's not just muscle. And so what you do in this hourglass pattern is you set four cones in the four corners of the arena with two gate cones in the middle, and you walk around the outside, you walk around the first two cones on the short side, and then come in towards the gate cones. But halfway between, you stop and square up. And then you also change leading sides so that you're leading from the other side and staying to the insides of the arc of the pattern and if you were to draw this pattern on the ground it looks like an hourglass so that but it's constantly changing and what it does is it makes the internal pendulum of the animal go back and forth and back and forth and then when they come to a stop then the pendulum swings to the center and stays there and comes to rest. Now, if you were to actually school on a rail the way a lot of people do, what happens is there's an optical illusion that takes place in the animal and causes them to lean away from the rail side and into the open side, which swings the pendulum to the side, to the side, to the side. So it never has a chance internally to swing back and forth, and back, and forth, and come to rest in balance, and that's, that's how you develop an equine's uh, good postural balance, and the, the remarkable thing about this is you start with these leading exercises, and you find that your animal is bonding with you like never before, because they really appreciate that you are taking their bodies and their minds into consideration and making doing something that actually makes them feel good. You're not just going and saying, "Well, I want to run barrels, so I'm going to go out and walk around the barrels first, walk around, walk, walk, walk and right, drill right. on things." And actually this pattern, the least amount of time that you need to do it is once a week and it takes 15 minutes. All you have oh, to wow. do is go around the pattern once one direction, cross the diagonal, and once around the other, other direction. And then if you don't get back to your animal for a week, it doesn't really matter because they start internalizing this stuff. You're, you're dealing with uh, brain-to-muscle uh, impulses, and you're changing the way that their habitual way of moving is on a physical level. And wow. so when you do that, uh, when you do that, then, all, like I said, all you need to do is is the least amount of work is 15 minutes once a week. But if you want to do more, you can. But it's it's advisable not to do it every day, at the very most, hmm. every other day. Right. And, and so what you're doing is you're teaching the body how to move in good posture and you're changing their old habitual way of moving and if it was a person slouching you know plodding, not really walking straight up in good posture ourselves and that's the other thing this post- this pattern will do when you're working with your animal is it will improve your own good posture and, and your own movement as well it also gets you in sync with your animal's movement so that you know because you're walking in sync with their legs so your hips are moving in sync with their legs and and then um as you go on uh you you're just your body is acclimating to that too so down the road when you finally get on you're not going to be as awkward in the saddle as somebody that didn't do this because right. you're already halfway there with your own body moving in the same rhythm that the animal is. And, and your hips are ready to get over the top of the animal and move with their legs. So you're kind of putting yourself in a lot better shape that way.
7: Yeah. And the way yeah. that
6: you can you can tell... If you're done with this flat work leading is when you can throw the lead rope over their neck and just go ahead and get in your position and give the verbal commands and the hand signals and the body language, and they'll do the whole thing without you touching them and just oh, on true. those signals alone. And that's how you know to go on to the next stage. So like I said, you're never facing them with anything that they can't do. And the next stage is to go through obstacles and add coordination to the flat work. And when you go through obstacles, you go up, you go down, you go sideways. And the first order of business is like everybody does, just to get them through it. And sometimes I'll use the oats to coax them to something that they're afraid of. And if they are afraid of it, I just stand there and hold the rope taut because they're going backwards and the rope's getting tight. You know, right. and I I just say, oh, no, 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 no. This this is not that bad. Come over <laughs> here. Come and see this thing. You know, oh, I can't do that. It's going to kill me.
7: <laughs> no, it's not
6: going to kill you. And it, uh, Oh, but I just can't do that. You know, I say, oh, yes, you can. And they're, oh, well, why? And I say, I reach in my fanny pack and I grab the oats and I show it to them. And I said, because I've got the oats.
0: I've got the oats. That's right. I've
6: got the Mar- oats. I've
0: Mar-
1: got Mar- the fanny I- pack. <laughs> I, 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 so, since you're t- talking about oats again, I have to tell you this is all a whole new world for me, and I really enjoy it. You have a fabulous website, absolutely fantastic, and there's lots and lots of videos. And and I just I just put up on my Facebook page a wonderful 15 minute or so sort of video that covers your your kind of your history. But, but one of the things that you talked about was is it little Jack Horner and that he he um uh, he really wanted to to learn a lot of the things that you were teaching to um send sunda- so lef- left- yes he he was yeah, not about to be left like-
6: out and yeah, and I... it's because the you know donkeys generally they've got a very strong sense of self-preservation and they can be very stubborn about what people are asking them to do because it makes no sense you know and they don't see any sense for instance in lunging in a round pen to go really fast to come back to the same place it makes no sense <laughs> and if you think about it it really makes no sense
7: um, <laughs> un- unless
6: unless you're talking about building a body. But in order to do that, see, you have to do this prereq work too. And Little Jack Corner, I, I, I use this method of training with uh, horses, mules, donkeys, ponies, everything, because they all respond to it positively. We've had a 100% success rate. I have no uh, complaints from clients that are employing this properly. And as Pat Peroli once said, he said, you must train mules the way that horses should be trained
7: and so yes.
6: that that's very telling you know and again we come back to this building the body correctly uh, through all of these different exercises and everything and and never doing anything that is over facing the animal where they just they can't comply and like I said you know I'm standing there and saying I've got the fanny pack and then they get really brave and they come right up to me and they get their oats <laughs> when they come up to me and then I just go closer to the obstacle until we get there and we go over it and so nothing is is forced nothing is forced it's always asked and then to get the coordination built in then we have to break those obstacles down into little parts so if it's a bridge for instance then you come to the edge of the bridge and they're used to it so it's no problem and then you stop them square them up give them their oats wait and then you proceed and you ask them you step up on the bridge You ask them to put the two front feet on the bridge, leave the two front back feet down, square up in that position, give them the oats, wait, then go up on top of the bridge, stop, square up, reward, wait. And then when you're going off the other side, you're going to see how really awkward and out of balance they are at the core because when you ask them to put the front feet down, and leave the back feet up on the bridge, centrifugal force takes them forward, and they just plow right through the lead rope, and they go right off the bridge and and just go and then they'll go, "Oh sorry, <laughs> you know <laughs> and and you don't you don't get mad when they do that. you know there's nothing to get mad about. you just go okay he's he's not as strong in his core as he looks; he's a big animal. And a lot of people think they're big and strong and they can do anything we want them to do, but if they're not prepped, um, it's it's just like us, you know, and, and these football players. They may look big and strong, yeah. but if they don't do the exercises, they're just going to be a mess. So what you do is you just go back and go through the bridge again the same way, only this time when you go to ask for those two front feet off the side of the bridge at the end, you hold on to the lead rope and you hold it tight, and you kind of hold them back, and you ask them to put the two front feet down, and they will generally halt because you said halt, but if they don't have the core strength to hold the position, then the back back end goes sideways off the bridge, and they do a, a, a turn on the forehand and end up facing you and going, "Ha, ah, hi, <laughs> you know, and you go, oh, wow, okay, this is not working well. Uh, oh, but dude. this this is when the halter that you use – becomes extremely important. It's important anyway because these rope halters that people use that have knots in them, I want you both to do an exercise for me and just put your index finger, uh, the end of your index finger right under your ear and just don't push it or anything, just put it there. Now, how long do you think you could stand having your index finger just sitting there like that? It's kind of obnoxious, isn't it?
7: Yeah, and yeah, not too it's long. it's
6: distracting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. what those knots feel like on, on the uh, animal's face, on those rope halters. And it's a distraction. And if they're distracted like that, they're not going to be listening to you. Now put the palm oh. of your hand underneath your ear. Just put the palm down there. Doesn't that feel like a caress? You know, doesn't it feel good?
0: Yeah, so you use a flat halter?
6: Yeah. So I use web halters, and it displaces... Yeah. Uh, the pressure all over their face, and I can fit those halters to their face too so that it fits loosely all over their whole face and disperses all the pressure across their whole head. And, and, uh, And then when I get to the end of the bridge, it's going to provide a support system because what I'm going to do is I know they're going to fall off the bridge the third time, so I go ahead and get in front of them, And I keep the lead rope in my left hand and hold the halter on their right side. And then I hold the other hand on the left side. And then I jiggle the left side and I say, okay, let's get the first foot down. Get your left foot down. And then they put that down and then I just kind of stop them with with my hand and hold it steady then I jiggle the other hand on the other side and then I stop the foot there and by this time they're still kind of shaking because their balance is really lousy when they have lousy core they have lousy balance and so right. I'm kind of helping them with the balance that way and as soon as I can when it starts to subside a little bit and they're comfortable a little bit in that position then I let go with my right hand I reach in my fanny pack I give them the oats and then I put my hand back up there and i kind of stabilize them and while they're chewing the oats i slowly let the pressure off the halter with my hands and then by the time they're finished chewing they're holding their own balance my my hands are not doing anything i just drop them turn around say walk on walk off the bridge stop square up on the other side reward and wait again Um, And I handle all the obstacles the same way. And so they learn to balance in all kinds of positions through all the different obstacles that I I do. And then again, when you can put the lead rope over their neck and do all those exercises through all those obstacles the way you did, hanging on to them without touching them with hand signals and verbal commands alone, then you're finally ready to go into a round pin where most people start their animals.
0: I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Now, the
6: thing that's going to be different, and I'll, I'll tell you this is going to be different, is when you get to that round pen, if you start them in the round pen, and they don't have good postural balance, when they start going fast, they start leaning like a motorcycle and oh, wow. when they've had all this this leading training you know and learn how to move their body correctly uh, through straight lines gradual arcs up down sideways and all that and doing all these movements correctly then when they get in the round pen they maintain their erect posture with equal weight over all four feet and when they start going around in that round pen they bend their body to the arc of the circle through their rib cage and maintain equal weight and equal pressure on both sides so that they're wow. really traveling with equal balance on both sides and equal balance through their body, which also makes for a much smoother ride when you get on. You I know? And,
7: and then think.
6: that's where you build the bulk muscle over the core muscle is in the round pin because now that they're on the rail and everything and they can go faster without me standing by their head, they do, and they can learn the reverse and uh, and all of that, and walk, trot, canter, woe, uh, how to do smooth transitions and keep their balance without bouncing or popping from walk to trot or trot to canter. They they do it very smoothly. They learn how to do that because they've got total control over their body now. And so then when you you know after they've learned all this, the last thing I do with the lunging training now you'll hear about people that try to lunge their animals on a lunge line out in the open but they really need to learn to lunge in the round pen first not only for the body thing um, but also when they get into the open they kinda see all this wide open area and you put them on a lunge line and the first thing they want to do is they'll go around you a couple times and then they want to run off
4: there you know, you they want
6: to just take off but when I get them in a round pen, the last thing I do uh, as far as lunging is concerned is I will put a lunge line on them. I tie uh, one side to the snaffle bit on the inside and then hook the, I leave about four inches, go under the chin and hook it to the bit on the other side. So when I pull it, it won't pull a bit through their mouth. And then I have them lunge to my verbal commands and I, I leave the lunge line loose. So it's dragging on the ground between me and them. And then as they're going around, I'm watching their body. And as the right or the outside front foot goes into suspension, if they're tracking left, it'll be the right outside foot, comes up into suspension, I just close my hand on that lunge line. And they can feel that, that just slight increase of tension. And what that is, is that's, Bring your leg all back around and onto the circle. Bring your leg around and back onto the circle. Because if the leg is down, they they can't you're just pulling them off balance if you pull on right, that line. Right,
2: but right, if the leg right. is
6: up, then it's crossing over and coming closer to that inside front leg and staying on the arc. And you do that both directions, and so now you've given them a cue to use when you get out into the open. And so when you start lunging them in the open and they start to go away from you, you just watch that outside front leg come forward and you squeeze your hand and you say, come back onto the circle, come back onto the circle, and they won't run off. They that be-
0: is that is a good lesson for us. Yes. Hey, Meredith, we're going to take a listen to a song. I bet you have not heard this before. It's called The Mule Song. And it's by Kristen Harris. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit about Lucky Three Ranch and all of the things that you have there that are going on. Because I saw some pretty cool stuff with Jasper the Mule. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But right now, let's take a listen to the Mule song. It's by Kristen Harris. We'll be back in a minute and talk more with Meredith Hodges today on Saddle of America.
5: I love the mountains I love the moon Between a window In the clouds When it comes poking through Against the sky Purple hue Instead of blue Instead of blue I love the sunshine Down by the stream Bed at noon And the echo off the canyon Makes one voice become two Need a mule. Anytime I want to, I could gain altitude. He'd carry me to places no horse could get to, and he would rarely throw a shoe. He might be stubborn, but I am too. Or I could pack him with some gear and some food and find a spot to build a fire and stare at the view, you could come to but you'd need a mule. Now I ain't saying I'll be trading horses in, but if I could have both now, would it be a sin? Cause when I'm low, I need to go where the air is thin. Here's a Opinion or two, but he'll keep me on my toes just like a good friend would do. Yeah, it's true.
0: that are involved with mules and more and more people that have traded their horses for mules and that's just something that I've noticed in the last several years and mules are extremely popular and and I guess maybe more safe on some of these trails than uh than horses Absolutely. are Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things that we wanted to talk about with our with our audience today is to tell us a little bit about Lucky 3 Ranch and the tours, and then we're going to talk some about your training videos and DVDs that you've got available, and and Jasper the Mule. We'll have to talk about Jasper a little bit. We've got about maybe 10 minutes or so left. So okay, that well, time, I'm going
6: to say, I, I went ahead and worked for my mom for six years, and in 1979 we dispersed out there in California, and I moved to Colorado in 1980 and started the Lucky Three Mule Ranch with, uh I had, oh gosh, let's see, a gelding and a mare with a baby mule foal, which was the last mule born on her ranch. Um, wow. My Jack, little Jack Horner was the last donkey born on the ranch, but I couldn't bring him out until 81 because donkeys don't travel very well in trailers. And okay. he was way too young to even even think about that. So I just waited for a year before I brought him out here. And I started breeding my own stock out here. And so I went through about 20 years of showing and breeding and uh, breeding high-quality mules here at the Lucky Three Ranch, and I documented everything that I did with them. I I started writing articles for 25 papers uh, internationally, horse uh, equine publications internationally, I had a monthly article in those, and they eventually evolved into uh, my diaries, evolved into my first book, Training Mules and Donkeys, in 1993 and then a whole video series followed that in 1997. And it was remarkable because while I was doing this, I was testing these mules in every equine sport, beginning with uh, Gymkhana, and I got into judged events, English, Western pleasure, Western riding, reining, um, all of those kinds of things. My mules just kept performing and performing. and wow. So I did. I tried everything, pole bending, barrel racing, uh Jumping, hunter hack, and then I went into the world of dressage and combined training and my mules. I trained the first mule to fourth level dressage. I trained another mule that spent three years in combined training and beat 56 horses in her scores in dressage and won her division in the combined training event in 1993. And uh, so, I mean, they were they were just doing marvelous things. And the thing is, too, is that once you've even had like a oh, just if you ride a mule, you're almost going to catch this disease right off the bat. <laughs> it's called mule fever, and it's it's terminal.
7: <laughs> you you will never want to ride
6: anything else when you've ridden a mule, except maybe a donkey. You know, because they kind of come along with the territory. But right. you fall in love with them, and and they give you back everything that you give them. The more consideration you give them, the more they give you. And uh, the more uh, arrogance you want to dish out, the more humiliated you will be.
7: <laughs> and,
6: and so, but you get wise to it after a while, and, and you learn to really appreciate the relationship that you can build with these animals. And so... Lucky three, uh, we started the Jasper series back in 2000 with Jasper, the story of a mule because I wanted to address kids too. They're the future and they need right. to, to to learn about mules too. And during the course of these mules learning to do everything, I competed against horses in horse shows because they didn't have mules, enough mules for a mule show back then. Right. And we actually built, the mule industry to what it is today with all the work that we did. There's only a handful of people that got started, but the numbers of mules increased exponentially over the years, and now there's literally millions of them, and they're they're doing all kinds of wonderful things, and we even have uh, one gal that's been competing in the United States Dressage Federation Finals in Lexington, Kentucky against the horses. Wow. So. It's. It, I mean, the achievements are increasing. The mules are really showing that they're not the malign creature that everybody thought they were, you know, the substandard creature. They're not. They, they are just amazing animals. And the kids get along with them really well, sometimes better than the adults. And so that's why <laughs> I did the Jasper series, and then I thought, too, I, I saw people, you know, trainers going on the road doing clinics, and I even did it for two years. I did judging in clinics, and then I decided that that really wasn't the way to go, because I was too busy to keep learning, and I right. really wanted to keep learning, and so I just came back to the ranch and decided to take lessons with a dressage coach, and I I stayed in those those lessons with her. I uh went to clinics with a lot of uh trainers, uh top trainers. Bruce Davidson was one that I did, Jim Graham, uh Danny Emerson and combined training. And, and dressage, and uh kept working with my mules and learning and writing the diaries about it, and it, it kept producing books and videos about it, and that's why I got so many. Uh, at the same time, I did uh, comic relief with the children's books, and but I decided that it would be better to open the ranch up to tourists Rather than even doing clinics where people bring their own animals, because the one thing that you will never see if I do clinics the standard way is an animal that has gone through this entire training process and what the result looks like right you know because right. it really it looks different. My animals, when they're at rest, all of them rest four square they don't like oh, rest. Wow with their feet splayed and their hips dropped or anything like that. When they move, they move. Uh, this has become a habitual way of moving, so they move straight and true, and, and they have regular rhythm to their gates, even when they're out playing with each other in the pasture. So it, it affects everything. But if I was to do clinics, I would have uh, animals that were all at stage one. And they would, they would all have to do leading training to build up those muscles, and people don't like to pay $500 to go and lead their animal around on a lead rope. Uh, and I got so, so what I do is I just have people come out on tours here, and the tours are like personalized uh, clinics. And we show them a movie all about uh, mules, and it takes about a half an hour. It's all about mules and the beginning of the Lucky Three Ranch and what the training program's all about, all about the animals we've rescued and how the training program has done wonders with rescues. And uh, Mm -hmm. then when that's over, then I give a talk for 30 to 45 minutes about the whole program, and then people get to come out and experience the Loveland Long Ears Museum and Sculpture Park at Lucky Three Ranch, where they get to see there we've got over 20 life-size bronzes of mules and donkeys.
0: Here. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
6: people yeah, can come beautiful. and see. All my champions are immortalized in bronze, so they can see uh, what the champions were able to do, the least of which was not little Jack Horner, little donkey. You know yeah. he won English, Western pleasure, jumped, he he drove, he did reining with sliding stops and spins, and he jumped four feet in exhibition, and he was at second level dressage. he He was an amazing donkey, and he lived to be 34 years old. Oh wow, pretty, pretty mm-hmm. extensive. My dressage yeah, mule, my fourth level dressage mule, lived at 35. All of my animals are living over thirty. They're all going toward the mid-30s because they're just healthier all the way around. And the ones I have here, I've got 17 animals here still. And, uh, what, 12 of them are mules. I've got four donkeys, two large standard donkeys, two miniature donkeys, and a miniature horse. And they're all over, oh, let's see, the youngest ones, I think, I've only got two that are under 20. Um, But most of them are uh, 25 and older. And they look really young, and they act really young. They've got all kinds of energy. They still travel really well. Um, And so you come to the the tours here, so you can actually see the results of the training in the real live animals that are here. And then people get to experience the bronze statues and everything. And we're really popular with the assisted living groups. Oh, really? and at risk kids and and the blind come because they like to feel the the bronze statues they can run their hands over the bronze statues mm. they can pet the animals um the ladies the ladies that come from the assisted living all uh, they fight over who gets next who gets to sit next to one of my ranch workers, Steve, because he looks like Fabio. <laughs> So they beat each other off with their <laughs> sticks and everything to go see who's going to yeah. sit next to Steve. The ladies mm. that are in wheelchair races, they come out, and they, they're they kind of sullen at first, you know. Uh, but then after they've they've gotten the talk and the movie and everything, and they get to start walking around and everything, everything is so clean here. We've got pea gravel down that has gotten rid of all the mud, so the ladies can have wheelchair races, too.
7: There you
6: go. That's good. <laughs> so you everybody, wear, have, I mean... Huh? Everybody here to just does ear-to-ear ear smiles when they come out here.
0: <laughs> we're about to run out of time.
6: Okay. Let's
0: tell everybody. First of all, you're going to have to come back. I mean, I without question, that. You're going to have to come back. But tell everybody about the two websites that you've got uh, for uh, Lucky 3 Ranch and for Jasper.
6: Okay. Uh, you can find our website uh, for the Lucky 3 training at lucky 3 com. That's all spelled out. Lucky l u c k y t h r e e r a n c h dot com, and at the bottom of that website, you can hit you can hit the button to go to Jasper's website, or you can just uh, type in www.jasperthemule dot com.
0: All right, and they can find all of your training videos on the Lucky Three website.
6: You can find all my training videos and books in the store, and we also have apparel. We've got note cards and and and, uh, hats going in there and everything. But the really interesting part is I've got a lot. I'm one who has always believed in sharing information. I believe that our elders were the ones that taught us, and they give they gave their information away for free. So I do that under training on my website. We have multiple sections there that offer fun music videos. We have training tips up there. I have diaries of donkeys that I've trained, of the draft mules that I rehabilitated. So there's just a world of uh, free information up there for you to take a look at. And as are in the video on demand, we have documentaries up there that we have produced and all of the shows that appeared on RFD-TV. Oh, wow,
0: wow, wow. Well, as Bobby said, you have a phenomenal website, and uh, we're going to encourage people to go and check that out, and Jasper's website as well. Come back and be with us, would you?
6: I will definitely do that. And just as a last thing, um, if you want to talk to us, you're welcome to call at 1-800-816-7566. We answer the phone. We answer all our mail promptly.
0: All right. That's a cool deal. So you'd want to do that. But uh, anyway, thanks for being with us. And this is another mule song, but it's a little bit different, Meredith. So (laughs) it might be be a little bit different. But this is <laughs> this is one by our friend Gary Allegretto. It's called Another Mule. And Meredith Hodges, thank you so much for being with us.
6: You're so welcome.
0: All right, thanks.
6: Thank you.
8: Midnight with a tear in your eye Cause you dreamt about your baby And she was with some other guy Oh my Tonight you ain't gonna sleep at all you you've got a real bad feeling Another mule's been kicking in your stall So you saddle up for her place Just as fast as you can While you're walking in that front door You can hear the back door slam Oh man Any fool could make that call Yeah man, any fool could tell you Another mule's been kicking in your stall Then you walk into her bedroom Find her slipping on a dress But there's roses on her bureau And her Heaven's is on the mess God bless Looks like the writing's on the wall And you don't have to read between the lines to no know another Mule's been kicking in your stall.
0: we just have enough time to just kind of wrap things up right quickly. But uh, anyway, it's been a fun show with the Quaby sisters, and it was, it was really fun to talk with Meredith Hodges, and we'll have to have both of those back again. What kind, of, uh, what kind of closing thoughts do you have for us today?
1: Oh, I have one. I have one. Wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. I know we're running out of time. It's a very simple one. And it's actually 1 Corinthians 7, 20 to 24. Bloom where you are planted.
0: Oh, wow. That is a great thought. That is a great thought. So, bloom where you're planted. Well, we Mm -hmm. want to encourage you to join us next week. We've got Hal Cannon with Three Hat Trio that's going to be joining us. Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America on Saddle Up America. And uh, all of our shows are archived in the podcast, and you can listen to them now on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, as well as our website, EquestrianLegacy.net. Bobby, it has been fun today.
1: It has been, and it just flew
0: it has flown by. We're going to close out the show today with a great song from Mr. Bren Hill. It's one called The Mountain Is My Mistress. Bobby, we'll see you next week on the Equestrian Legacy right. Radio Network. See you-
10: I could see the longing look in your eyes This morning when I kissed you all goodbye And I know you won't need me here at home And you wonder why I leave The mound is my mistress She'll always come between us And I'm wrapped inside her arms I night is Idaho wilderness I'm faithful to you more or less But I've got to get this off my chest It's something, girl, you'll just have to accept The mountain Some things that are too hard to explain. And I've never meant to cause you so much pain. And I know that it's not right to lead her on. But with the changing of the weather, I'll be gone. Cause the I wilderness i'm faithful to you more or less but I've gotta get this off my chest